0: the
1: following program is an production hey hey it's conrad thompson and you're listening to something to wrestle with bruce pritchard a very special bonus edition bruce i'm fired up about it it's saturday night's
2: main event from march of 1988. it was a great time in the wrestling business because hulkamania was going on hiatus,
0: but it was hotter than ever. And the madness was on his way to the tippity top of the top of the heap.
1: What we're going to encourage you to do right now is fire up your WWE network and find this show. If you, uh, are watching on your computer, just click shows and then vault and then select Saturday night's main event from the drop down. And then 1988 as your year and ta-da! You'll see it right there from March of 1988. We're gonna give you a second to get situated there, and then when we press play, or Bruce will count us down, you'll press play, and hopefully you've muted your television, and then you'll have Bruce and I in your ear hole.
2: You looking forward to being in some ear holes today, Bruce? Well, you know, uh I've been in a few ear holes in my day, and uh this time we're gonna be on multiple ear holes all at the same design.
1: Well, I'm ready when you are Bruce. So let's give a countdown and, uh, we'll go ahead and get going.
2: All right, here we go. We're going to go in five, four, three, two, one. And then when I say play, we're going to push play. So here we go, everybody in five, four, three, two,
0: one play. Oh yeah, you and me. Oh yeah, million dollar man. There's no room in the danger zone for your kind or your money. No, you're a bad chick, million dollar man. And the macho man is gonna bounce you out of here for good. When the millions meet the madness. Oh yeah.
1: So I love these old skits, man. The old promos. And what'd you call uh, the mat? That there's some sort the of the
2: ultimate. It, it's a green screen.
1: Yeah. Well, this is uh, fun. When do you think you guys would have shot this? Of course, this goes down on March 12th, 1988, right up the road from me in Nashville, Tennessee, at the municipal auditorium. Of course, this is before Bridgestone was there. Did you guys film this in the arena or would this have been done before that?
2: we shot it in the arena we had the big green screen set up and as you see beefcake there with his green hair (laughs) looks like they've all got you know a bit of a green tint this is when we were still perfecting you know the green screen effect and uh it wasn't as perfect as later on it came to be but it had a lot to do with lighting and everything else
0: it's the slickster baby the one man. there, there you are right there on TV. I like the way you waving your hands right now, just kind of warming them up.
2: I wrote that part for gang.
1: I've always been fascinated by this one though. It's weird to think that Harley race and Bobby Heenan are the same height.
2: Well, they're not. No, Harley's a little bit bigger there. Yeah. I, you got your, your height. Did you see he's, he, he's, Harley's much taller, especially with the crown on.
1: Oh gosh, listen to you. Here you go. What's your Hogan
0: impression? Well, let me tell you something, brother King. There's only one King and it's the mad. No, and he's not the madness Hulkamania, brother. The demandments, the prayers Saturday night's made event. That
2: was Vince doing Hulk Hulk doing Vince.
1: I just love this open, you know, the, the quick cameos, the green screen interviews, the, uh, the music. This is hitting me right in the fields, man. I love these old Saturday night's main events that we get to cover here on the show,
2: you know, it was a good time and it was something that was a little bit different, but it, it gave a great presentation of the product and it was a little different for, for us It kind of gave us not a night off, but it was a little bit different, uh, roles for us on Saturday night main event sometime.
1: Well, and we've covered the Saturday night's main event that we just saw a clip from there, What well, it was actually the main event, but this is our first Saturday night's main event we're covering like this. And here we go. This is always one of my favorite parts of the show because it just made it feel, um, sort of big time, you know, and I guess we should remind everybody that this aired at 1130 Eastern, right?
2: Right after the local news. Right after the local news in the usual time slot of Saturday night live.
1: And, uh, instead of Saturday night live, we get these two characters and this always felt like a big time duo, whenever I hear Vince and Jesse and I I know it's on NBC, it feels like a big deal.
2: Yeah. And I like Vince's Paisley tucks going on here. And if you watch Jesse closely, when he does the on cameras, you'll see Jesse mouthing the words because he's, he's always got to memorize and he's mouthing what Vince is going to do and he gets ready for his stuff. And of course, as I say that the son of a bitch isn't doing it, but, uh, Jesse had a bad habit of doing that. A lot of times,
1: how would you describe, how would Vince McMahon describe, uh, Jesse Ventura's chin
2: cleft chin, but they both, you know what? They could be brothers. If you just look at the chins with Jesse kind of being the bigger, deeper brother, and then Vince's little dimple in there. So they're very similar chins. I'm Boy, never thought of that before.
1: What that they might actually be related.
2: Well, they just look very, the chins look similar. If you're only looking at the chin, it, you know, a lot of similarity.
0: God, look at that deep chin. So masculine and deep and cleft.
2: But Jesse was great at this. You know, Jesse was, Jesse was an absolute natural and they had natural heat. So it was, oh my, but, uh, Jesse and Vince together, like you said, it was big time, man, they, they felt good together and they, uh, had chemistry.
1: And of course we're seeing a recap here from the main event, uh, that went down in February and that's getting us ready for WrestleMania four here. Of course, what we just saw was the rematch from Hulk Hogan and Andre, the giant at WrestleMania three, but we've got the referee and, uh, the referee is clearly ignoring Hulk getting the shoulder up. What, uh, give us a reminder again about Hogan's promo afterwards in the locker room.
0: Million dollar man, I don't know how much money you spent on the on the plastic surgery. Oh my God! Oh my God! The millions. Look at the hundred dollar bills dripping out of their pockets right there, brother.
2: Yeah, you can see it right there. Though. The, the all the hundred dollar bills just dripping out of those damn evil referee twin pockets. And of course, all the plastic here, surgery. That you know what? Till, still today, that plastic surgery is holding up on them Hebner people.
1: It really is. They did a wonderful job. Whoever their attorney was or their uh, surgeon was. We should get them advertising with our RGT for law attorney. Hey, I feel like I should remind you that, uh, we're actually bringing this to you commercial free, but we do want to give a shout out to our, uh, friends who are doing something for a great cause right here, Bruce.
2: Over at the crusher.org that's D a crusher.org. They're only $5,000 away from their goal to erect a statue of the crusher in Milwaukee, and of course, Greg, the hammer Valentine and Jimmy Hart knew how important the crusher was to Milwaukee. And I'm sure Jimmy Hart is cutting a check right now, but every little bit helps go to duck to help out.
1: Man. I love these old school promos. This dialogue again, was mostly done by NBC.
2: That's, that's why you get all the puns and all the, the smart ass things that the guys would never say in a million years, but yes, it was done by the folks at NBC you had writers that would write their promos for everybody.
1: I, I you know, I know I'm in the minority, but I love, uh, Greg Valentine's robe right there. That's gotta be an Olivia Walker.
2: Yeah, it is. As a matter of fact, he and flair had uh, Olivia do their stuff for him. And of course wrestling too. Yes. Uh, and here they
1: come. Uh, we've got, uh. Jimmy Hart, man, is he the hardest working manager of 1988? You think
2: he had a costume change for every single guy that he managed and was out and working his ass off every single time he got into the ring. Yeah. Jimmy was the hardest working guy in show business back in the day. Look at how young Greg Valentine looks. And the other thing, watch these entrances. That's the other thing kind of blows me away, but here's your boy. That's your boy right there. Brutus,
1: the fucking barber beefcake. Talk to me about these shears. You know, these are just regular old gardening shears, but you guys decided to, uh, take it down and get them to like Chrome dip the blades or something. What's the deal here?
0: Those are,
2: those are styling shears made specially for a beefcake barber. Those aren't just so those are beefcake barber shears, man. Those aren't just any kind of shears.
1: Where did they where did he get the shears? Shears are us. Uh I think shears is out of business. I don't know. Uh well, you know.
2: So not down not down in Texas, they still got a few outlets, just saying.
1: I feel like we should mention that these guys, once upon a time, were a tag team, right, Bruce?
2: Yes, they were managed by Johnny V and here's what I was talking about. The entrance, you you look at the entrance and them kind of coming down level with the crowd, you see the security guys on each side, the cameraman behind, oh my God, if we were, they were to shoot a camera today, it would be heresy, but you know, closer to the, to the audience, just look at the, the railings around the ring and the barricades around the ring, just a completely different presentation. And at this time, man, this was, this was big time. This was special for us. Cause it gave a, you know, a little bit different presentation and just so much cleaner than our normal shows in a lot of ways.
1: How would you describe, or how would Vince McMahon describe Bruce, the barber beefcakes attire? <laughs>
0: Ah, looks like the barber made made those tights himself.
2: <laughs> you know, Jesse, he's he's known to use a pair of scissors every now and then. <laughs> One valentines gonna get her trimmed tonight. What you the mean things? he's gonna get some trim, McMahon? No oh, way. Did I say that out loud? Wow. Listen, was that you, bad? That was bad.
1: With the old school reference too. So hypothetically, we see uh, all the way up Brutus's leg here. uh, Is Bruce wearing a thong or a C commando here?
2: I'm sure he's wearing a thong, but you get a little, you get a little bit of beefcake cheek,
1: help me understand. Uh, why does anybody need beefcake cheek?
2: Beefcake was over, man. Come on. You know, you know, you needed you some beefcake cheek. I'm a little uncomfortable right now. No, you're not, you're digging it. You're, you're mesmerized because you just see the delts and the quads and the pods and the shods and all just pop it out right there. And you, I don't, I, I, I hope that's his,
1: sexy. I, I hope his pod doesn't pop. Wait a minute. Did you just say that sexy?
2: Oh yeah. Come on, man. You got to admit that's a little sexy. No,
1: I'm, I'm going to go ahead and agree to disagree.
2: Well, you know, just saying. This, uh, I love how we have Earl Hebner in the ring referee, no reference to the, <laughs> to the twin referee at all. That's none. I, I guarantee you there's no reference at all. Oh my, maybe he's a triplet.
1: Um, we just saw one of those banners at the, uh, WWE warehouse. How cool is it that they still have some of this old stuff from, you know, 30 years ago.
2: I love it, and I love that the fact that they didn't recycle a lot of that stuff. Reached a point, just reached a point in the in the '80s where he saved everything, and a lot of the old promoters, man, they never saved their old tapes. We bicycle tapes to save money, and oh, what an elbow smash! Oh my! Um, but holy shit, did you see that maneuver? Oh, <laughs> what a maneuver! One, but, two, he got no
0: he
1: didn't. Nah, nah. Yeah. I'm, we're going to have to have you call one of these whole matches as, um, <laughs> as Vance. I, I feel like I should remind you that these guys were tag champs back in 85 and they beat Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo for the privilege and then lost them at WrestleMania two, uh, April of 86. Do you know, legitimately, um, we talked about Olivia Walker who did Greg, the hammer Valentine's, uh, robe? do you know who was making beefcakes tights
2: uh, I think it was the same guy that did later on did savages stuff. The Michael yeah, from sense. Tampa who did a lot of that stuff and he, he did a lot of the spandex work and, and things like that. I'm pretty sure it was Michael.
1: Um, uh, a moment ago when beefcake was strutting, Jesse said something like he's never seen worse rhythm in his life. And he says something like this guy's no Michael Jackson, which is obviously, you know, as eighties of a reference as you can get, um, <laughs> Vincent is color guy for Saturday night's main event has always sort of been, you know, what I most identify with Saturday night's main event is Vince and Jesse. Do you think there was a better pair? I mean, did you prefer Jesse and gorilla or did you like Vince and uh, Jesse?
2: I don't know that gorilla ever did saturday night's main event i know bobby did saturday night's main event with vince but to me you know the the original is always going to be the best and that's what's going to stick in my head as as saturday night's main event was vince mcmahon and jesse venture
0: oh my come on referee break it up break it up
2: Uh kind of referee looks familiar like you might have another twin that we've seen in here before i just love that i i, I, I the, the, no it wasn't even well, how, how long ago that we show the damn entrance? Actually that's Dave Hebner right there. I think. So was he the evil one or the good one? Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: oh, my. a moment ago we saw, you know, before this match started the graphics. Oh, here comes the honky talk man, man. How fucking cool does the belt damn look right, right there? The intercontinental title looks awesome around honky. That's
2: cause honky talk man's greatest intercontinental champion of all
1: time. Cutting a promo here. This is awesome. I, uh, oh, yeah. yeah,
2: you know, we, we wanted so badly to, you know, to get to that point with honky Tonk man, because if beefcake was ever going to have a hair match, it meant something doing it with honky Tonk man, and shaving his head would have been off the chart.
1: Why don't you think that ever happened?
2: Um, I don't think Wayne wanted to cut his hair. I think honky felt that if he was to cut his hair, that would completely kill his gimmick. I think it would have made him, but I don't think Wayne really wanted to cut his hair and Vince for whatever reason, you know, coming from New York and up there that they, they, didn't, they didn't, they didn't get hair, get the hair match thing. Yeah. He really didn't. He didn't think it was that big of a deal. Harold grow back. Who cares?
1: How fun is the honky character? I know we've talked about honky a lot here, but dude, he has got such heat. I mean, is there a better, just natural heel than honky talk man right here in
2: 88?
0: No, man, hockey was red hot and,
2: and hockey was one of those guys. Hockey would be very difficult to turn baby face. And when he first came in, Vince wanted him to be a baby Cause he was so damn good at the gimmick, but he's a natural cocky heel and played it to the hill.
0: Oh my, look at Valentine, elbow smashes right across the nose of beefcake.
2: Yeah, it just.
0: This match is better than
2: it, uh, you know, deserves to be when you look back 2020. I mean, I thought Greg
1: Valentine was always a, a pretty good worker as a fan. I was never, I mean, as a kid, I was never really a fan of his just because I was into, you know, ultimate warrior and macho man and these over the top characters and Greg didn't really do it for me, but as an adult, I can appreciate that, um, Greg had good matches. I mean, his stuff with Roddy Piper at Starcade is something people still talk about.
2: Well, Greg had great matches. I think that in later years, when Greg slowed it down so much to just be so damn slow and methodical, I think that's what people remember. But you see here, Greg's moving his ass off and having a a damn good match. Greg in his heyday and his prime, nobody could touch him in the ring.
1: Uh, could you say the same for Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake?
2: Yeah. You still can't touch beefcake. Look, he's trying to give Beefcake uh, uh some I mean uh Valentine some tights just like him. Come on, Greg, show your ass. Show more side ass. <laughs> uh how
1: would how would Vince ask for more side ass?
0: Oh my, got a little side ass from the Valentine, from the hammer. We don't want to see the hammer, McMahon.
1: The hammer. Listen to you.
2: God, I've just gone right there to, twice already. And I never go there. I think you need to crank one out. You'll feel better. Well, you know, just saying, I didn't say Valentine was sexy, except when see, when you saw the side tied to Valentine for a minute, you thought about it, didn't you?
1: Uh, no, I did a little bit, maybe a little. Okay. So, uh, Nashville here is the choice for Saturday night's main event. That's not. You know, I mean, it it has been a wrestling town, but that's not like a hotbed for WWF at the time.
2: Well, actually it was, it was, it was a damn good market and it was, it was sold out, we had a hell of a house there and the bit, the business was hot at this point in time, this was where we could just put WWF on the, the first time, probably that we could put WWF on the marquee and sell out without having to announce a match. So Nashville was good for us. Yeah. There there were still some, some markets that weren't all that great, but Nashville was, was not one of them. Nashville was a good market for us.
1: So the, ah. uh, getting on the outside and having the tease of some interaction with the referee was always something that, uh, was a big deal. Whenever there was a manager, whether it was Mr. Fuji or Jimmy Hart or whomever, and there you go.
0: How great. Oh, you don't have the megaphone. Do you, Jimmy, ah, you don't. Uh, get him, get him. Come on. Beef King. Ah, oh, yeah, almost. Just, uh, just almost
1: look at that boot to the head. That looked pretty damn legit. So the wooden steps <laughs> oh, here again, not around the corner, you know, like the metal, um, diamond plate steps we see now, you said before you thought maybe those wooden steps from the main event, here comes the finish. This is a, a pretty common finish here that you guys used a lot. I think that was even used at WrestleMania 4, uh, and then again at Survivor Series 88, uh, and maybe even WrestleMania 5, like Herc and Haku, and Ultimate Warrior and Hercules. And I think Bret Hart pinned himself. Who's in love with this finish? Both shoulders down, one guy gets him up at the count of three. Is that Pat Patterson's sort of go to at the moment?
2: Oh no, no, this I I don't know who, who would have set it up, but I mean, this was a, this was a go-to finish for a lot of people for when you, you just wanted to get a, uh, get a controversial finish and get your baby face over looking good without really hurting the heel too much. And it was God, everybody used that finish.
1: And here come the scissors. So you know what this is supposed to be. We're going to get a little haircut in action and snip snip. There we go. How did the guys feel about getting their haircut? I know you said a minute ago, honky didn't want to be shaved bald, but Valentine give a shit that somebody snips a lock here. Hey guys, are you looking for the perfect father's day gift idea? I was, and I found it at paint your life with paint your life. You'll get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You see paint your life, transform your photos into a one of a kind hand painted portrait done by professional artists. You can upload photos of anything you can imagine. You choose the artists and the art medium. They've even got great frames. It all takes less than five minutes to get started and you can get your portrait in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paint And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 87204. That's WRESTLE to 87204. Text WRESTLE to 87204. Paint Your Life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details.
2: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your
0: mental models, and how to think about...
2: Now with the, with the guys, the extras that came in and worked with Beefcake, that was part of the deal. And they got paid extra to get a haircut and, you know, never made it so bad that it couldn't be repaired. And that was, he just got a little snip snip enough to see that it was actually Valentine's hair. he's got the shears.
0: He's got the shears, Jesse. He's going to get him some. He has oh, got the mouth of the South. Oh my. And Jimmy was, and Jimmy was able to
1: get yeah. his a little bit of his haircut. He didn't mind. Here's what's fun to me in hindsight. When you think about it, Beefcake's supposed to be the baby face, and he's chasing guys with a knife. <laughs> I mean, are <laughs> you the baby? It's face. not a
0: knife; it's shears. He's a barber.
1: Okay, so if I just chase people around the Walmart with the shears, that's okay.
0: If
2: you're a barber and you and you're strutting the guy, where nice, the, you know, the f- where the fuck are you getting stuff? your haircut? Where
1: they're using those garden shears?
2: If the garden shear cuts are us,
1: uh, is there a better? promo in the history of the business than Bobby, the brain.
2: Absolutely not. And you know, the, that bow tie that he's wearing there, I have, uh, one of his red ones like that and really all it is, is it's, it's elastic string around a bow tie and it fit everywhere and was extremely comfortable. Well, Bobby was into
1: ease of use. We're going to have to get, uh, you to post a picture of that on our Instagram.
0: I, I don't know where the hell it is. Why would you I say have you have it if you
1: don't know where it is?
2: Well, would be like, if let me put said, it this way. I had it. It's probably in a, in a drawer somewhere. And as I've been going through my drawers in the office, bow to the King by God, look at how sweaty Harley is.
1: I can't, I can't see Harley here and not think of bad Santa. shit i mean i i feel like you just fucked up harley race for me for life when harley started talking though i just needed him to say you want some sandwiches oh my
2: god if he oh wow you're welcome you know what that that hurt i mean really harley race one of the baddest human beings on the face of god's green earth
1: wait say it like he does though
2: i am the Baddest human being walking God's green earth. You know what this championship means? It means that I can walk down any street, any street in the world and know that I am the toughest man walking that street, The
1: King, I feel like we should mention here, um, even though Greg lost in that match against Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake. He's actually going to go on to uh, compete in the world title tournament at WrestleMania four, and even gets a win over Ricky steamboat there. Okay, here you go. Take over brother. (sighs)
0: Well, tonight, brother, first of all, me, G, Hulkamania will never die, brother. The big wheels of Hulkamania, they're turning away. And Harley Race, you're only one thing in my way before I get to WrestleMania, before I get back to the world title. Oh, yeah, he did. you're a smart man. You sold Andre Giant because you knew he could never beat me, brother. But as far as me bowed in servitude before the king, I only bow to one man, me, G, and that's Vince McMahon man dude because the dude walks on water dude and as far as i'm concerned Harley race when i get done with you tonight all the weasels horses and all the weasels man will never be able to put the king back together again brother
1: feel better Ooh, shirts ripped <laughs> uh oh How how would you describe the look he's sporting here <laughs> That's the. <laughs> I love it. Uh, if I knew yeah. how, to, if I knew how to spell what you just did, it would be on a shirt, but I can't. <laughs> and and wet, and wet. Yeah. Uh, um. So here we go. They go to commercial here uh, with the Hulkamania graphic, dude. I just love the the graphics that are on this show and i, I thought it was funny because they go to commercial and when they come back hogan's still in the exact same spot as he was before so this wasn't actually done live live when would this have been taped
2: well no this this was taped probably shit this was probably taped a week or two ahead of time before it actually aired so a lot of editing done and harley with the headbutts, man harley loved his headbutts and you know, Harley race, you, you, you go back and, and look at this, look at this match here right now. This was really a dream match. If it had happened just probably eight years before. Right. And, and Harley still man, you know, still a working son of a bitch.
1: Yeah. I mean, you would have had the NWA world's champion just five years prior to this. He was the NWA champ. And Hulk Hogan here, five years later is on top of the world as the WWF champ. So even maybe like three years prior to this, it would have been a dream match.
2: Yeah. And Harley, you know, uh, you heard of the Ribera steakhouse and everything in Japan, right? Well, let let me, let me smarten you up to to the whole Ribera steakhouse thing too. You know, all the boys talk about, Hey, you got your picture.
0: Oh, my, over the top, right on top of the table. Oh, but,
2: uh, you talk about. Everybody talks about, oh, I got my picture up in Ribera steakhouse. You know what he does is he just puts everybody's picture up. Whoever's on tour, right at the time. So those guys pictures aren't up, but Harley on his Ribera steakhouse, the signature used to be the real, and he under underlined real world champion on uh, his picture there in the Ribera steakhouse. I think Harley stayed up all the time. Nobody's (laughs) too afraid that Harley might just happened to be cruising through Tokyo one night and stop in for a steak and his picture's not up there. Then you're fucked.
1: And the deal with, with that steakhouse house was it's like steak and corn. That's like the go-to, right? That's it. And it's not even a good steak. It's just so it's not like Jimmy's famous seafood now where all the
2: boys go and get their picture made because that, that stuff's actually really, really good. Yeah, Jimmy's seafood's badass, but, uh, no, Ribeiro, it was a place to go. It it was, it was kind of a status thing. You know, you'd go to the hard rock and you'd go to Ribeiro steakhouse and get a free jacket and a free steak, all the steak you could eat. They'd keep feeding you until you were full. Did you get us a
1: jacket? Yeah. Do you have it? Uh, it's somewhere. I don't know where, but man, you got to find that. It would be badass if you would support that. Some of our live shows.
2: Well, you know, actually it may fit me now because it was, it was really big when I got it, but, uh, yeah, I, I went to Ribera steakhouse, had a couple steaks and, uh, I remember looking at, at the sponsor who brought me going, okay. So this is Ribera's. Can we go back to the Korean barbecue place? <laughs> you know, next time, but they were very nice. They're really nice. They take care of the boys and they're good people.
1: You just slipped a word in there a lot of people would not be familiar with smarten everybody up about what a sponsor is
2: A sponsor is just somebody that that uh um, they're the ones that buy the shows they're the ones that kind of take care of the boys the American boys that are uh on tour take them out make sure they you know take them out to dinner, take them out for drinks, and just um, help them with translators and different things on the shows. Let's process what we're
1: seeing here. Hulk Hogan who's baby face yeah. is using wrist tape to choke Harley race and then hiding it from the referee. <laughs> yes. How would you describe that clothesline? The what, shits. What, 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 what was Hogan <laughs> doing out right there? What's that? What was that? It wasn't really a clothesline and then he wasn't really punching him. He wasn't really slamming his head down. Hogan looks lost a little bit right here, working with Harley.
2: No, it's just uh Hulk didn't have to do a whole lot other than be tan as a motherfucker and uh drop the leg. Here's my question though. Like it in traditional I
1: don't know shit about wrestling, so let me just say that up front. Isn't this supposed to be Harley getting the heat on him and then he makes the comeback? He's just eating him up.
2: It's Hulk Hogan. There are no rules when you're in the ring with Hulk Hogan and Harley race is the King.
0: There are no Kings in America.
2: So Hulk Hogan's the King. Yeah. All, all bets were off. You know, you look at traditional baby faces. This is what's so funny when people point to stone cold, Steve Austin, oh, he was not the traditional baby face. You know, he's an ass kicker. He swears. He does all that stuff. You just watch the Hogan match. He cheated all the way through it.
1: I feel like I should remind, I love those knee drops. Um, those knee drops, <laughs> those knee drops are real. Uh, I feel like I should tell everybody since we mentioned it a minute ago, this was taped five days ahead of time. So this was taped on March 7th. We're actually seeing it here on March it's 5th taped on my birthday. Damn. Yeah. So you were here on your birthday, I guess. Yeah. What, 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 sure was. what how'd you celebrate in Nashville?
2: Uh, probably celebrated by going to Chattanooga or something like that that, <laughs> that night after the show.
1: You'd prefer to go to Chattanooga than Nashville?
2: Well, we we're probably just on to the next town. I don't, I don't recall really any. All right, ladies and
1: here we go. This is oh pretty, pretty incredible when you think about it. I want to remind you: this is March of nineteen eighty-eight, March of eighty-eight, and it's Hulk Hogan and Harley Race. Right and here we go. Oh. Oh, uh, what a fucking table spot. It's the first time I remember seeing a table spot done. Of course, the next year, Terry funk and Rick flair in Nashville again, ironically, with a ringside table. I mean, what are the odds of the two earliest table spots? I remember both being in Nashville. Um,
2: there's a lot and, of and not at ECW and not with Sabu and not with those guys with, with true legends of the ring. You know, you look at Harley race, Hulk Hogan, Terry funk, Rick flair.
1: It's pretty funny though. Cause in my head, when, uh, when bad Santa was climbing up there to jump <laughs> off, uh, into the table spot, I imagine him saying
0: Sabu eat your heart out.
1: Uh, and, and, you know, the old cliche that you've done a million times about Harley race, whenever someone is describing their finish to Harley, what's he always say?
2: Oh, that was hard that was Harley's finish. He'd look at the kids be smoking his cigarette and go, <laughs> "What's your finish, kid? Tell me what your finish is." <laughs> Big drag on the cigarette. I'll move.
1: And when it came for uh Hulk time for Hulk Hogan to lay across the table and Harley come out, Hogan moved.
2: Fun, exactly.
1: Fun stuff here. Uh the the classic Hulk comeback now. You know what's coming. This is, um, God, Harley's a bumping machine. I know that's what I was going to say. We, we always talk about how Harley and the WWF just seems old and comes off old, but, uh, man, he's just all over the place for Hogan here.
2: I mean, Harley race was a bumping machine and now another bumping machine, you know, Bobby Heenan, who. Was an unbelievable worker as well, but Bobby, you know, great bumping machine and could move and was agile as look at that, jumping over the top rope and getting out of Dodge. I mean, that's, that takes a great deal of, of athleticism. You don't expect out of a guy like Bobby Heenan.
1: I feel like I should, uh, remind everybody here that this spot here is a crazy spot. He suffers. Uh, some pretty serious internal injuries here. Um, apparently he had a hernia out of this, right?
2: Yeah. He got messed up pretty good, man. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't any of these damn gimmick tables or anything like that, that was just a shoot table. Hardly like I'll get through it. Um, had to be sturdy enough to to hold their weight and do all that shit and <laughs>
0: Come on, look at Hulk Hogan, look at him, look at him, everybody. Oh my God. Give it to him. Come on, Hulkster.
1: Yeah. What's, uh, what, why would Vince describe this scene right here in three words, Hogan must pose by God. Yeah. So let's, let's sort of smarten everybody up about this. This is, uh, I mean, I guess Saturday night's main event started in like 85. This is the first one where Hulk is not the world champion. Uh, and of course they're doing this in the second match position. It's not going to be the last match on the card. We've talked about that. Uh, you know, psychology before, what was the thinking in putting Hogan on second, as opposed to last here on Saturday night's main event.
2: That's the money spot because it. <laughs> sorry. I have to laugh when Ted DiBiase laughs. Um, that's the money spot because you're fighting sleep and you want to put your feature matches on first and put them on early. And later on, as you're fighting sleep, the not as important. Matches go on a little bit later.
1: You know, what's funny is as a kid, I thought the million dollar man's costume was like the coolest shit ever. And now as an adult, I look at it and I'm like, if somebody wore that out on WWE TV on Monday, they would look fucking ridiculous. But as a kid in 1988, this was the fucking coolest thing ever.
2: That's because he was the man He would have to be a billion dollar man to have heat. Today, yeah, everybody's a millionaire, shit. But back then <laughs> I was just saying, you know, it's like <laughs> I, love I love you for everybody's a millionaire now. I mean Yeah. Vir, you know, Virgil's going to get him some damn uh Meat sauce. Meat sauce. So, you know, shit. I mean, look at how good Virgil looked too though. Would you wanna would you wanna mess with Virgil? No,
1: and I don't want a picture or autograph either.
2: I can get you one. I'm sure you can. I'm sure
1: everybody on the subway can. Hey, so let's talk about, um, Harley and Hogan here. As we get teed up for this match, they had actually wrestled before back in October of 83. Uh, they did it in St. Louis and Hogan was the challenger for Harley's NWA world title. And I think they wrestled a few times at Madison square garden right after WrestleMania three, which was probably a bit of a dream match as we sort of talked about. And there's a pretty famous story about when Hogan was trying, um, I'm not trying. Hogan was on top when the WWF brought their show to town in Harley's town. Uh, we'll tell that story in a minute. Let's let the macho man do his thing
0: here. Freak out, freak out. Uh, huh? Yeah. Mm. Let me just growl a little while here, me, Gene. Oh, yeah, because it's worth its weight and gold. Macho Talks, the money walks. And the Macho Man is going to come out, you million dollar man. You're trying to cash a check against the Macho Man, Randy Savage, but it's going to bounce. And I'm going to bounce you all over the World Wrestling Federation Entertainment. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Talking about the worth of gold. Uh uh. Ain't gonna do it, mean Gene. Ain't gonna do it because the bravest little manager in the world, she's here right now. My platinum doll! Uh huh. Elizabeth! How do you like the million dollar man? Let's go walk that aisle! Ready, uh huh. Dig it! Well, there you go, macho man.
1: You know, it's sort of, uh, I love those graphics, man. I I can't stop talking or thinking about this Harley race situation, but I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what's on screen right now, which is miss Elizabeth who's dressed like she's going to prom, but how awesome is the presentation of macho man and miss Elizabeth here,
2: man, they coordinated all their outfits. They always look great. And that was the, the idea behind Liz was to be classy and. Just beautiful and, and to exude class and not be what, for the most part, the wrestling, uh, industry had had prior to that, as far as their presentation of valets and women in the business, she was unique, sort of
1: fun knowing what we're going to see in just a few weeks at WrestleMania. Ooh. Um, cause we've got, we've got million dollar man versus the macho man in the main event at WrestleMania four for the world title. And, uh, it's supposed to be happening here on Saturday night's main event. When all of a sudden Andre, the giant has something he'd like to get off his chest or so it seems is this Andre's favorite jacket. I feel like uh, we saw Andre rock this jacket quite a bit.
2: That that's Andre's outfit. Says go to no, that's just his outfit. Those are the only clothes he owns. That's his outfit. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. He may have owned others. He just didn't wear anything else. He wore that
1: same thing every day.
2: Yeah.
1: And carried a little bag
2: with his ring gear and boots in it.
1: So his only bag that he carried, there was no other clothes. It's just the ring gears in the bag and he's wearing that.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. For the most part, you know, and, uh, that was about it. That's why you, that's about what you saw. And when you look at all the pictures, man, that, that's why you say, you get, look, God, does he own any other, uh, pants or jacket or shirt? And they just keep getting sweat through and sweat through night after night, day after day. How did the guys wash
1: their gear? In the sink. I uh, you know, we get that question a lot on social media and I just didn't think people really had a concept of that. Cause it's not like when they. It's not like they're all just going home after this and they just throw it in the washing machine. That's not an option.
2: No, you, you wash it in the sink in the hotel. Uh, a lot of guys would either carry wool light or just use whatever soap or shampoo, you know, that they'd have in the hotel and you wash it in the, in the sink of the hotel, dry it, hang it up in the shower on the, uh, remember when they used to have the, the strings. I still do that. You could. Oh, okay. i I probably am so used to them. I don't notice anymore, but they have the strings where you could hang your stuff up and that's how you did your laundry. They usually do it now when
1: you're at a beachfront property. So you can like hang your swimsuits up or whatever. Exactly. Um, so this, this whole Hulk Hogan, um, Harley race match, I'm still fascinated with, because as we said, there was a time where the WWF started to come into Harley's territory where Harley was promoting, And Harley took great issue with that. You know, he thinks it cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars and allegedly he came to the show and tried to burn down a ring and another time brought a gun. Do you remember these instances?
2: Well, I don't know that Harley himself, uh, tried to burn down a ring. That's I think that's more urban legend than it is anything else, but Harley showing up, uh, at a show in Kansas city. And nobody's stopping him, walking in the building. Uh, that part is true. And, and I, I don't know, there's a lot of different versions of what happened there. And I, I think it's, it's just grown to, to myth at this point. Love this, this stuff with savage. Good God, DeBiasi and savage could work their ass off. Um, but the, the whole thing with Harley coming in basically came in and, and threatened Hulk and let him know that, um just threaten him. You know, he, Hulk was the top guy, Harley was the top guy on the other side and just wanted to let Hulk know that any time that he wanted to try him for real, he was available to be to be tried for real. And that what, was the gist of it.
1: What's um what's funny to me is Hogan tells a different story than Harley. Hogan says he was uh, on the john when Harley came to visit and Davy Boy announces uh, it's where Hogan can hear Harley's here and Hogan has been told, Hey, he's coming for you. And he had sort of been trying to dodge him all day and just making himself scarce. So now that he knows he's sort of wouldn't you in a compromised situation, he stands up and doesn't even wipe his ass. Uh, and as soon as he opens the stall door, there's a gun in his belly. And Harley says something like, I came here to blow your kneecaps off, but I'd rather work with you. Um, but of course it doesn't start that way at first. So when he puts the gun in his belly and says, I'm here to blow your kneecaps off the way Hogan tells the story is he just shouts Vince McMahon's number like two Oh three, blah, 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 blah. Like this is, <laughs> you don't have an issue with me. I'm just one of the boys. I'm just working. I'm not the fucking promoter. But eventually, according to the rumor and innuendo that meeting in the bathroom eventually leads to Harley coming in and working for the WWF, right?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it it does where Harley wanted to make money and he knew that the place to go to make money that he had left was the WWF. So he called Vince and they, they made their deal, but the gist, the gist of the story that we all heard on the other side, and I wasn't working in the WWF at the time when the altercation with Harley and, and Hulk took place was that, that Harley just went in and threatened them. And everybody came in and Harley left and it was, you know, nobody want, nobody wanted to throw Harley out and Harley didn't try to mess with anybody, but let, let Hulk know that, Hey, you're in my town. I feel like we should, uh, let you know that this hernia surgery
1: we talked about that happens as a result of that table spot we saw earlier. It's really sort of the end of Harley, ru- Harley's run in the WWF. He would still appear uh, in the battle Royal at WrestleMania four, but then he's out of action. He would briefly come back in 1989. So we're saying several months off, but then before you know it, he's out of there and he would do, you know, some indie shots here, there, some Puerto Rican dates, but what we just saw was really one of Harley's last matches, right?
2: It was, it was, it was towards the end and, and it was shortly thereafter that, uh, that Harley's career pretty much came to an end right after WrestleMania four.
1: These guys are having a really, really good match here, but I do want to ask Bruce, if you know that this is going to be your WrestleMania main event,
2: why are you guys doing it on TV here? Give you a preview and give you a taste of it. Uh, you know, we knew that, but the audience wasn't paying for that. Right. And they didn't know what everybody's thought that, you know, it was obviously going to be Hulk Hogan and, and, and the build for the most part, all the build was to Andre and Hulk, but it was also to people thinking that, well, it could be Hulk Hogan and, and DiBiase or, or Andre and Savage trying to paint a lot of different pictures and give you a lot of different options here, but also give them a great match. So after the fact at WrestleMania four, you saw a taste of the match. And when it comes, good God, Andre sweaty. So when it comes to your town, you're, uh, you're excited about a match with DiBiase and Savage, cause you've already seen it.
1: So of course, Hebner's wanting to have none of it. I think the match has already been counted out. Uh but obviously some interference here that shouldn't be allowed. You can probably
2: Well, he's getting rid of Virgil cuz Virgil he's hungry, wants some meat sauce. Match continues though because uh, this damn referee with the plastic surgery and the million dollar man hanging out of his uh out of his pockets there is this is the good referee.
1: That's what I'm really struggling with is You know, not only is this a central part of the storyline, but it's a central part of the storyline for this particular set of guys. And he's still in there. Why was Joey Morella
2: not in there for this one, dude? It was the central storyline for WrestleMania Four. (laughs) I mean, the whole damn thing is the why we were even having WrestleMania Four. And he's refereeing two matches on Saturday Night's main event, including this one, which is the one with the guy that paid him off. Yes. It, it makes no sense and that. That's where sometimes, you know, Vince would think, nah, nobody, nobody pays any attention to that. Yeah, they do. We, we just had a history package at the top of the show highlighting you. it. Right. So the, the explanation was, I think, I, I think he made it one time and I don't even know if he made it here. Was that, oh, uh, Dave Hebner back, uh, that, that other referee is gone. And for a long time, when Earl refereed, we identified him as Dave, right afterwards
1: the top of the show we sort of glossed over this you know when he's doing he being vince is doing the stand-up with um ventura ventura and he start talking about vince's southern roots that he's from down south and what we saw with jesse sort of checking his jacket was to see if he had a redneck if he was a redneck and you've sometimes referred to vince in a way where you say vince would even refer to himself as a north carolina redneck right Absolutely proud of it. But he eats his candy bars with a knife and fork, right?
2: Not his candy bars. No, but it's, you know, that's the funny thing. When, whenever I would ask, this was the best thing, you know, Vince would talk about eating stuff with his hands and how disgusting it is. And we would say, well, how do you eat a sandwich? That's different. And I said, well, how do you eat pizza? And you know what his answer was to me? I fold it over. Not with it, my hands, but I folded it over and that made it okay.
1: He's an interesting guy, man. These guys are yeah, working their is. ass off. I mean, would you argue at this point, these are the two best wrestlers in the company?
2: Yes, they are. Um, DBI, nobody could touch Ted Dibiase. He was the best working heel in the business and Randy was on fire and it was, at a time, these two guys were getting to the point of uh, Ted trying to get Randy to trust him and just listen and go on out there and let Ted call the match. Randy had a tendency to want to know every single move of what was going on. And a big part of this was just getting Randy to trust Ted and let Ted call the match.
0: Oh, yeah, we're going to fly. Uh huh.
2: What a great shot. Macho man
1: coming off the top with the double ax handle is something that everyone 35 to 40 years old did in their living room off the couch. Like everybody listening grew up jumping around in their living room, pretending they were the macho man with the double ax handle.
2: Randy Savage used to make me get up on the top rope and stand. And come off, come off the top. All the time when we get to the towns early and get to the ring and you you gotta stand Pat Patterson having a cigarette in the back as Elizabeth (laughs) runs by. Always love that kind of stuff.
1: Ooh, I feel like we should mention here. Um, Andre, of course, getting in on some of the action here, beating up the macho man, so miss Elizabeth is going to the bank to get Hulk Hogan and this is Maybe the first seed of the mega power story and their
2: explosion, right? Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, this was, these were just little seeds, but this was to get to sprinkling the Hulk dust on the macho man, sprinkle a little Hulk dust. uh huh? And to help Randy get over and to have him be accepted as, is an equal to Hulk Hogan when he was the WWF champion.
1: It's so fun to look at this in hindsight, because you've got, you know, such a big set of characters here. I mean, larger than life characters with Andre, the giant, the million dollar man, and of course the macho man, And
2: DiBiase just beat savage.
1: Yeah. By count out, there's your winner, the million dollar man. And of course they're going to hold him back and really do some punishment here. So you have an idea what's coming.
2: Yeah. Um, Waiting for the uh
0: oh 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 my god oh god the Hulkster he's got a chair he's got a ch- look at him run look at him Jesse look at him run like that cowards they are you tell him Hulkster he's protecting the macho man I love it look at him look at him
1: what's the deal with Hulk's uh taped right hand here he had it well, taped up it, for the Harley match too
2: yeah I it, I just thought it was. I I guess his hand is taped. Up. I don't know. I really don't know. I thought it was at first when I looked at it. I thought it was just the tape that he had taken off of his left hand when he was cheating to uh, choke out Harley Race earlier. So I don't know. He just probably hurt his hand at some point. He just had a little extra ape there to take care of the, you know,
1: man, uh, the extra torque. The way Miss Elizabeth got down and the way it was shot up, it made me think that Kevin Dunn was in the booth. Or maybe it was drop top titty tipping Tom. Well, you know how, how fucking sad is it to look at this show. You know what? Uh, we no longer have Miss Elizabeth. We no longer have the Macho Man. We no longer have Andre the Giant. We no longer have Bobby Heenan. There's so many people on this show who've passed away. It's just a fucking shame.
2: Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. And and for me, like you know, going back and. And looking at different guys that I worked with the brother love thing. And when you realize that so many of them have left, it it's tough. It really is because those were, those are my contemporaries. And at this time, you know, shit, I'm only, only 25 mm. when this is taking place. And, um, hell, I, I'd been in the business at that point for 15 years. So it's, uh, man, I feel old all of a sudden. Why you gotta bring all that shit up?
1: How fun is the, uh, graphic here with the Hulkster with the red, white, and blue, cause it's all about America, brother.
2: How would you describe the killer bees? Bzzz. You know, here's the thing, man. Uh, Jim Brunzel, unbelievable talent, unbelievable worker. What the hell? And, uh, Bobby's got his bee his bee suit on. So he ain't going to get stung by the killer bees. And they got Matilda with him. Notice that?
1: Is this uh is this beekeeper shit? Is this a Dick Eversall deal?
2: I'm sure it was, yeah. But the 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 whole leash thing was when uh, Matilda the the Highlanders took Matilda. And we used to walk around with one of those invisible dog leashes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, good stuff, but Bobby ain't gonna get stung by no bees. But Jim Brunzel, Jim Brunzel was a hell of a worker, man. Jim Brunzel could have been, a a, a top single anywhere. And I think he just got pigeonholed into being a tag team guy. How would you have described Jesse Ventura's
1: shirt there? Like a, an evil pirate.
2: You know, we've, we've addressed pirates more in the last two weeks than we have in our entire, almost two year run here.
1: Um, Bobby, the brain, he jackets are something that in his outfits were pretty iconic. Did he make those? Did he have somebody do those for him? Do you know who put those jackets together with all the sequins and
2: whatnot? He had a lady in Tampa that made him stuff. The, um, the sequin jackets, the all sequin jackets that he had, uh, had someone, a seamstress in, in Tampa, I believe that made a couple of those for him. He had a black one, a blue one, and a red one. Uh, then this stuff, the reason he stopped wearing those was cause they were so hot and they were hard to travel with. <laughs> and Bobby was all about function. Bobby wanted to bring one pair of pants, a couple of shirts and a jacket for the whole run. That was all he, you know, when you're on the road all the time, you don't want to be carrying around three and four bags with you, everywhere you go. Why don't you think the killer bees did more in the company? Why didn't they? Yeah. I don't think that anybody, what is there to get into the gimmick about? I mean, they're bees and they, it just,
1: Now, at the same time though, you, you say that, but you also say, "Oh, Terry Taylor could have made the Red Rooster work. He just wouldn't." He could have. Well, how is the how is the Red Rooster a potential great gimmick, but the Killer Bees is a
2: stupid gimmick? Well, the because I think that the Killer Bees, the gimmick of doing the switch and doing the masks, would have been a great gimmick, and they didn't like doing the mask gimmick. If they had done the mask and embraced the mask gimmick, I think that the Killer Bees would have been a, a you know. Tag team champions would have been looked at a lot better, but when you take that away from them, you take the switch away from them and all that stuff and not being able to tell them apart, it's then they just become the killer bees They're they're Brian and, uh, Brian and Brunzel or Blair and Brunzel, the killer bees, but I like the mask gimmick and the switching gimmick, which is what it apparently was originally supposed to be.
1: I mean, look at this referee in this one, like why couldn't he have been in some of the other matches instead of Hebner? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. Stop. Look at him. <laughs> I know you're going to say that you hate this guy. We, we talked about this at survivor series 87. I don't
2: hate the guy. I just, just look at him. His shirt's all untucked. He's coming out. He ain't got no hair. Um, yeah, it just, it doesn't, you know, I don't want to put that guy. You want to put this guy on network TV? I don't think so. You got Dave Hebner there. Put Dave Hebner out there. We'll just explain it away. And Brunzel got himself a nice little hard way there. Lovely brother.
1: This match was originally, or it actually was a two out of three falls match, but you guys only show the first fall. You're just trying to fill the time here. And that's all you had time for.
2: Well, probably, probably had more time for it, but things went heavy. So since we got the, the first fall in, just go with it and in post-production, make it a one fall match.
1: The Islanders split up a few months later when Tama was fired, he wound up going to WCW as the Samoan Savage. What happened with that? Why did he get shit canned?
2: I think that it was just a combination of a lot of issues of not showing up and, and not showing up in condition to work and not being really reliable at the time.
1: So that put Haku into singles competition. He feuds with Harley race when race comes back briefly. Uh, and then he defeats him to become King Haku. How did Harley feel about, uh, putting over Haku and making him the new King of the
2: WWF, Harley was happy not to carry the crown and the robe around anymore. <laughs> And that's a shoot everybody. It it was, you know, when, when Duggan was the king, when Harley was the king, when Haku was the rib was, you got to carry that damn, uh, cape around and the crown everywhere, which is a pain in the ass.
0: We'll
1: talk about the, uh, the king gimmick in a minute. I wanted to ask this though. The bees wind up attacking Hulk Hogan in a lumberjack match that he was having against Ted DiBiase at the, uh, Philadelphia spectrum. And that happened the day this match aired. So on March 12th, you guys were actually running a live show in Philly, but nothing ever really came to fruition. Was there a discussed killer bees heel turn or when they attacked Hogan, was that just a one-off or just trying things or
2: doing things in a house show to make them different Let yeah. the guys have some fun.
1: So the one man gang here doing his promo with the slickster and slick's going to call the Olympic team. Cause that's happening around this same time, 30 years ago as well. And he's saying that they're losers. And I think he mentioned something like Gene's son was on the hockey team. What's up with that?
2: Gene's son was on the hockey team. He was on
1: the Olympic hockey team.
2: He had something to do with it. Yeah. But Gene, Gene's, Jean's son was a stud. Well, Yeah. And here, uh, you know, one man gang's going to do his promo here in a second.
0: Roll like? tide.
1: Listen to you. Is that what he says? Oh, I'm excited for you to do your impression of his promo. There you
2: go and uh, translated that means roll tide.
1: Oh, uh, it does. Yeah. I can confirm that rumor and in innuendo. Hey, let's talk about something that I don't think gets discussed enough. And it happened around this show. Uh, Jerry Lawler actually files a lawsuit before this show because he wants to make sure the WWF is not legally able to have Harley race, wear a crown or a robe in the entire state of Tennessee. How'd that work out for him? Sounds like a fucking gimmick that he should not be upset about, but he was, and allegedly he won the lawsuit, but you guys still fucking did it.
2: Yeah. How'd that work? I was just, cause yeah, I mean, how'd that work out for him? It, It it's it, uh, it was, it was a silly lawsuit, but at the same time I applaud Lawler for protecting his gimmick and fighting for it.
1: Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Did everybody in the back sort of think that was fucking ridiculous or were some guys saying? Not good for him, man. This is his territory. We're coming, trying to fuck him around. He's got to defend himself.
2: I think everybody felt it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. But at the same time, business being business, I'm happy
1: for him. You know? Hey, so even though Ken is a baby face here, fresh off his prison run, uh, (laughs) he, um, he doesn't really seem to fit. I mean, a, a few years prior to this, he was, uh, the blonde haired version of himself and managed by Bobby Heenan. They do that big angle with uh big John stud. What do you remember about Patera post prison? It doesn't seem like it was the home run. It maybe could have been.
2: No, it really wasn't. And it was, you know, I think that Ken's best run in any territory was as the bleach blonde heel anti-american olympic hero uh but vince didn't want to do that after the prison run and felt that he could tell a you know a a happy ending story with ken and make him a baby face i think ken naturally is a heel in life
1: yeah i mean if you you um, see his interviews his shoot interviews you can tell he's a heel in real life
2: yeah, but I mean, in I've always, <laughs> always had a good time with Ken and I always liked Ken. He was always super nice to me, but it was, it just didn't, didn't connect in any way, shape or form. People couldn't relate to him.
1: He looks like an American gladiator of sorts here with the getup. And I've always thought Ken Patera in this era could have been like a Paul Orndorff for Hulk Hogan. He would have been a good
2: opponent for him, but we never really got that. Do you think that was
1: leaving money on the table?
2: Well, I don't think that, that Ken, you know, coming out here, Ken had aged. Um, he didn't have, he didn't have that chiseled body that he had had prior to, you know, in his last heel run. So I don't know. He didn't look like that badass anymore. Here's here's arguably at this point in time, the world's strongest man. And he didn't look like it. Um, so I think it was just perception. Did he talk to you about prison? No, we never, you know, never really talked much about it other than, you know, nobody really messed with him or Saito and the guards would always <laughs> here's Here's the one thing I remember, uh, Ken Patera talking to me about prison was be cool to the guards and you'll get extra bananas. Huh. And. And that was all, that was interesting to me that they, they would be nice to the guards and the guards were nice to them. You didn't mess with them. You get extra bananas and you get extra food and they didn't mess with you. Oh my God.
1: What the fuck was that?
2: That was called taking a bump in sections. Is it true? Man, will you do your hair like that?
1: Please. I mean, maybe. Maybe Halloween. Do a tattoo? Maybe, no, I'm not doing tattoo. Maybe I could do Halloween as one man gang. Yeah, I'll go as one man gang this year for Halloween. How about for your wedding? No. no. Oh, I, come on. I'd get shot down on that. Weddings aren't for dudes, man. Weddings are for chicks. I got to do what she wants to do. Man. Well, that's the trade off, right? She has to do what I want to do for the rest of her life. And I have to do what she wants to do that day. Okay. That's, I mean, Is that how it works? I mean, that's, that's the way I've pitched it. And, and it's been, it's been well-received.
2: Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, I pitched it that way too, uh, many, many years ago and, and now you, At, and now you mind. And after a while, it just doesn't exactly work out that way. I'm it, just, I'm just giving you a pro tip here and wears off from, from experience. Yes. So there you go. Uh, um, yes.
1: I've always been fascinated by this, uh, set. I think we might get uh, a few more words from the Hulkster here, but the set, we just saw, I want to touch on that. You know, you got the old guardrails, the blue mats, the ring, the skirt that doesn't cover the whole deal. But over in the corner, we saw the wooden steps. I started talking about earlier. They're not the diamond plate steps that go around the post. Um, at this point, you guys are toting those around with you, the announcer or the ring announcer having a table ringside. What's up with
2: that? Well, you had to have a table ringside because you had to have your, your timekeeper and your bell on the table. So hey, I, that was a requirement in some States, but how hilarious
1: is that? And, and so there's the bells on there and it's a table skirt, but that second table that was there for Harley and whatnot in K fab land, why was that? Why was that table there?
2: Well, uh, and also in real shoot land. Uh, for commissions and stuff, you had to have tables at ringside and shit for them to be there.
1: The, uh, promo we just saw is worth going back and seeing it's not nearly as crazy as the WrestleMania four one, but he does the fee-fi-fo-fum, which is pretty fun for Andre, the giant, uh, this outfit here, as we sort of wrap up who's dressed more ridiculous DBI, I mean, um, McMahon or Ventura.
2: Well, I kind of like them both. I, I've always wanted to I, I've always wondered where you can get one of those Paisley tuxedos. And the only two people I've ever seen in my life, and there's probably a lot more, and I'll get a lot of Twitter uh, that had Paisley tuxedos were Vince McMahon and gorilla Monsoon. And Bruce Tharp.
1: Bruce you, Tharp has a Paisley one.: Yeah, he wears gimmick jackets like that. Well, so he's an he, idiot. Here we go with the credits. and uh, Kerwin Silfies is on there.
2: Ferd Manning. Just talking about him the Richie other day.
1: Posner. We saw R posner in there, which we've talked about a lot. Our magic man.
2: Yeah. I'm not in there. Where is, uh, where's Kevin doing? I bet he's not in there either. How crazy is that? We didn't get, we didn't get a lot of love from the NBC people. And I don't think, I don't even think Kerwin was, uh, was on there. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. I saw him once a month
1: productions. Of course, as a reminder was uh Ebersole's production company. Let's talk about uh some questions on Facebook and then we'll wrap this episode up. I want to remind you this was your very special bonus Saturday edition. We're usually Friday noon's main event. Well, today we were Saturday noon's main event, but we're gonna be back at you next Friday with a brand new episode. It's gonna be all about WrestleMania 19. So mark your calendar down. We're gonna be back with you on 316 for Steve Austin's very last WrestleMania. Uh, the poll is up and active right now. If you haven't voted already at Pritchard show for what you want to hear on the 23rd on the 30th, we're going to be back with WrestleMania four, which is the next major show after Saturday night's main event, which just saw of course, on April 6th, we're going to be covering Goldberg in the WWE. And that happens on the day he goes into the hall of fame. And then on April 13th, we're going to be covering the first time raw beat nitro. And it happened 20 years ago on April 13th, uh, 1998, on April 20th, we'll be covering Rob Van Dam, and then we're going to have a backlash poll on April 27th. So lots of great stuff coming down the pike, um, here at something to wrestle. If Bruce finds any of the props that he was talking about here, he'll post them on Instagram, which is at uh, Pritchard show. And you can vote in that poll at Pritchard show on Twitter. Let's get to some questions. Bruce, are you ready? I am ready. Uh, Tim wants to know Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake always seemed a little careless with those shears, the way he swings them around. Was anybody ever hurt?
2: No, he was a highly trained professional.
1: Uh, Clint wants to know, did anyone ever rib Harley race and did they live to tell the
2: tale? Would you
1: did, did Harley ever
2: rib anybody else? No, Harley was a pretty straightforward guy. Harley liked to have fun. I will tell you about a rib that took place at this Saturday night's main event. Since we were in Nashville, there was an old timer in Nashville by the name of gentleman, Saul Weingroff, and he was an old school manager and he was also a sheriff in Nashville, worked for the sheriff's department there in Nashville. So during the day we had, uh, and I don't even know who orchestrated the whole thing. Uh, I believe it was Vince. But they had Weingroff come by because they knew that Jesse wouldn't know who he was. And Weingroff came in dressed all in his police outfit and what have you and said he had a warrant for Jesse's arrest and he needed to take him into custody immediately. And Jesse sat there and, and very politely um, argued with him and says, No, you got the wrong guy. And, you know, is this a rib? And he actually had a real warrant drawn up. And he had official looking paperwork and he had his partner there with him. And they actually got Jesse up and got him handcuffed and started walking him out before they finally let him in on the rib. But, uh, I just, I think everybody expected Jesse to, to explode a little more than he did. He was very, I think he thought, well, it could be, (laughs) I'm not going to do anything to ruin my chances of getting out of here tonight. But that was the one rib that went down that day.
1: Oh, fun times. Um, Sean wants to know: Considering Harley's pre-WWF legacy, was there ever serious consideration into giving him a title run?
2: I don't think so uh, because he was a heel and it was a babyface territory. Vince liked having a babyface champion.
1: Kenny wants to know: Considering the WWF was now national, what was Vince's view on certain wrestling towns that didn't necessarily classify as small in population size? But they were really known as wrestling towns prior to the national expansion in 84 towns like Nashville, St. Louis and Kansas city.
2: Well, in particular, Nashville and St. Louis did huge business, did really good business in both and actually did television out of St. Louis, Kansas city, not so much, but in later years, Kansas city was, was a decent town, but it was, um, out of those three Nashville and St. Louis were always good for the WWF.
1: Um, Alexander Kellerman wants to know, do you think Harley race sold out by coming to work for Vince McMahon, or was it just smart business, smart business?
2: What? how, what, what What are you selling out? You're making a living for your family.
1: Uh, John wants to know, I always love slick who came up with that character.
2: I believe that was a Vince McMahon creation. And, uh, the rumor and innuendo always was that slick was. Rufus R Jones's son or grandson or some kind of relation. And I don't believe that that's, there's any, uh, truth to that. You know, he was Kenneth Johnson, but I know he had some kind of tie to the wrestling business. always thought slick was a hell of a manager.
1: Um, Jason wants to know where do the Islanders rank amongst your favorite tag teams? Definitely top, top five. Uh, Josh wants to know, he's a bit of an asshole with this question. Can Bruce Pritchard finally give us a good Hulk Hogan story? Nope. Thank you for that. Kevin wants to know during the savage DBS match. I noticed that Virgil and savage seemed to be going at each other really hard. Was there major heat between the two in real life? No, savage was just stiff
2: and Virgil didn't know better.
1: Um, Patrick wants to know why not put DBIC over Randy by clean pinfall on the Saturday night main event show to put the seed of doubt into the audience. When they finally made it at the finals at WrestleMania,
2: did it really, did it really hurt your WrestleMania, uh, expectations with the way that it was done? The answer is no.
1: Thomas wants to know was someone in the NBC studios or the WWF a big Phil Collins fan. They seem to use a lot of his music, uh, during this era.
2: You know what I think it was? Uh, I think that Phil Collins and his people and his songs were probably a little friendlier to use and they would offer them up for promotion versus a high rights fee. Let's well, going to wrap us up here. Anything else you want to mention before we, uh, finish up
1: our Saturday night's main event for March of 1988. Watch along.
2: Uh, I think we're good, man. I think we're good. We got us, uh, some, some business to take care of this weekend and next. And, uh, let's have us some fizz on and don't forget
1: to support, uh, theCrusher.org. Am I saying that right? Bruce, you are D a
2: crusher.org. It's, it's a great, you know, it, great organization. They're trying to erect a statue for the crusher in Milwaukee. And they're only $5,000 shy of making this thing a reality. And I know that our listeners, if you just gave a little bit, man, reached out to them, I know it'll help.
1: Well, and it celebrates something positive about wrestling and a statue like that in public is long overdue. So, uh, let's consider a donation for the good of wrestling. Even if you're not a crusher fan, that doesn't matter. You're a wrestling fan. You're listening to this, give a few bucks at the crusher.org. And we'll see you here next Friday for WrestleMania 19 and something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard.
0: The world of MLW Radio never stops.